0: LA's notoriously soft on crime, George Soros-funded district attorney George Gascon is finally getting tough on one of his prosecutors for offending a 26-year-old child rapist that Gascon had punished with just two years in a juvenile detention facility. Yes, George Gascon is dropping the hammer, not on the child-abusing monster, but on Gascon's deputy, Shea Sana for misgendering and deadnaming James Tubbs, who now goes by Hannah and who was recorded in jailhouse phone calls, concocting the ridiculous transgender identity to game the system and get off easy. Ironically, of course, by calling James Tubbs him, Santa is not misgendering the man. He's just gendering him. By calling him James, he isn't dead naming Tubbs. He's naming him. That's his name. But this transgender madness that garners so much public attention is a symbol of a larger problem. It isn't just that our perverse leaders call men women and women men. It's that they call criminals victims. It's that they call foreigners Americans. It's that they call falsehood truth. They call evil good. They let the very worst criminals off the hook, and they prosecute law enforcement for prosecuting the criminals in the first place. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Armin Pagosian, who says, I would like to apologize to the bats for blaming them for COVID. Yes, I know uh, this is long overdue. And although a lot of us were skeptical of the bad batch of bat soup theory from the beginning, I think we need a formal apology to the bats and to the pangolins. Think about how the name pangolin was just dragged through the mud when really the names we should have been dragging through the mud were Wuhan Institute of Virology, Xi Jinping, Dr. Fauci, who was funding the damn institute and the research going on there. Those poor pangolins, they had nothing to do with it, okay? we got to clear the air. And when you want to clear the air in your room, you got to check out Rabbit Air. Right now, go to rabbitair.com, tell them that Michael Knowles sent you. You know I love all my advertisers. I love them all. Some, however, I have occasion to use more than others. That would be the case with Rabbit Air. I am so excited because not only is Rabbit Air supporting the show, but they sent me the Rabbit Air Minus A3 air purifier, which allows me to smoke cigars whenever and wherever I want. They have got the absolute top of the line, best on the market air purifiers. You can smoke a stogie in your office. You have this... Very quiet, beautiful, efficient, award-winning air purifier on. You finish the cigar, you know, there's a little smoke still in the air, and then it's just gone. And it's as if you did not smoke a cigar. It's a, it's an amazing, amazing product. I strongly recommend it to my fellow Stogie enthusiasts, as well as anybody else who wants to purify their air. It is top of the line, a really, really reasonable price. Visit rabbitair.com to speak to a Rabbit Air consultant. That's R-A-B-B-I-T-A-I-R.com. Do not forget to check out their artist series and special editions for a more aesthetically pleasing product design. Make sure to tell them that Michael Knowles sent you. This transgender issue, it's all anybody wants to talk about. In fact, I got in trouble for this issue yesterday. I, your beloved host, whom everybody loves so. I got in trouble for this issue. It was my my publicists over at Media Matters. They were working overtime yesterday, publishing multiple articles about the allegedly egregious things I was saying on this show, which I always encourage. I just retweet them when they put those those articles out because those articles and videos tend to be the highlights from my show. So I thank them for going through, clipping it out, making it look really nice. And then they put it out into the world. The big issue that they had yesterday, which was then picked up in other media outlets as well, is that I called to ban transgenderism entirely. I made the point that if you want want women to have their own bathrooms, if you think women ought to be able to have their own locker rooms and not have to look at gigantic gross men while little girls are getting changed, if you want any of those things You have to ban transgenderism entirely. It's not enough to say, well, you have to wait until you're 12 or whatever people are saying now. It has to be the whole thing because if men have the right to behave as women and identify as women for the purposes of public life, then women can't have their own spaces. And we as a society cannot have our own standards and norms, and we're not allowed to live according to reality. We have to live according to the delusions of these troubled people. And I think we the people have a right to reality. And I think women have a right to their own spaces. And so that means you got to ban the thing entirely. And oh my goodness, what these people say. They said that I was calling for the extermination of transgender people. They said I was calling for a genocide against, I said, what I must have missed that part of my show. When did I, did I say that? I don't, one, I don't know how you could have a genocide of transgender people, because genocide refers to genes. It refers to genetics. It refers to biology. And the whole point of transgenderism is that it has nothing to do with biology. That's what the transgender activists say. They say, forget about biological sex. My gender expression doesn't have to have anything to do with my biological sex. Okay, well, then there can't be a genocide. That refers to genetics. But furthermore, nobody's calling to exterminate anybody. Because the other problem with that statement is that transgender people is not a real ontological category. It's not a legitimate category of being. There are people who think that they're the wrong sex, but they're mistaken. They're they're laboring under a delusion. And so we need to correct that delusion. People said, well, what does it mean? to ban transgenderism entirely. Well, it means that we return to the way that American society operated until approximately five minutes ago, when we said that men do not have a right to present themselves as women in public life. And women don't have a right to present themselves as men in public life. You have some limits on that. We have all sorts of limits on our speech and behavior. If I wanted to right now, if the spirit moved me and I wanted to go streaking naked through the streets of Nashville, I would not be allowed to do that. That would be against the law. It might be my expression, but I don't have a right to that kind of free expression. There are all sorts of words that I might want to yell and scream and say that I'm not allowed to yell and scream and say, both because of the mores and standards and norms in our culture, but also because of the law. And transgenderism, ultimately, is a lie. It's a deception. It's a fraud. Fraud is not protected by the First Amendment. Fraud is not a category protected by the principles of free speech. You have no right to fraud. So if you're a man, and you dress up like a woman, and you rename yourself Sally, you have no right to go to the, the gym and go into the women's locker room and say, no, I'm really a woman. That's a fraud fraud. And you have no right to that. that. So banning transgenderism, what that would mean, is telling people who are a little confused that they need to get psychological help, that they probably need to get a little bit of spiritual help, and they need to be normal. Be normal. That's my. I, I think that's my main political message these days. How far right wing is that? It's so extremist, isn't it? No, it's the most moderate position you can have. Be normal. <laughs> okay. Society has a right. To standards and norms. And people don't have a right to just do it whatever they want all the time. If you are a man, you have an obligation to behave basically like a man. And if you're a woman, you have an obligation to behave basically like a woman. And I'm not saying there aren't tomboys, and I'm not saying there aren't foppish men, but you do not have a right to express your personality or your gender expression in any way that you want. That's what banning transgenderism looks like. And by the way, That's how our society operated for pretty much all of its history. All the way down to cross-dressing laws. There were laws against men wearing dresses in public. In many places around this country, including San Francisco. That's normal. Okay, and it didn't violate the First Amendment. And it didn't violate religious expression. It actually just upheld reality. And it forced people to bring their vision of the world a little more closely in line with reality. But but these days, if you suggest anything of the kind, you're called a fascist, an extremist, and a genocidal maniac murderer. And the reason they do that is because if they call you any of those things, a Nazi, a fascist, a murderer, uh, you're calling for genocide, it allows them to justify violence against you and death threats and all the rest of it. So there was one person, one of the guys at Media Matters, who goes by Ari Denner. I don't think that's his real name, but Anyway, that's what he goes by. Uh, He was going overtime about this. And I thought, he's obviously a very confused fellow. And I have a great affection for many of the people at Media Matters, especially my chief publicist, Jason Campbell. And so I I thought, in the spirit of open dialogue, if Mr. Denner wants to come on the show and debate the issue, Media Matters spend so much time watching my show, they can certainly... Uh, come on if they like. We could do a long interview. It could be two hours. You know, the way I conduct these things, it's not gotchas. It's not little tiny clips here and there, and we delete the rest of the interview. Put the whole thing up. I would be more than happy to do that. So Media Matters is more than welcome to uh, get in contact with my producers. I'm sure that uh, they they have the contact info. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is following the advice that I am recommending to America. You're seeing this, you're seeing in Canada now, detransitioners are suing their doctors for medical malpractice. One one case in Canada, there was one case in the United States. Now we're seeing a case in Spain. Susana Dominguez, 24 years old, filed a claim against the Galician Health Service, a publicly funded group in Spain that prescribed her cross-sex hormones at age 16, performed a hysterectomy, removed her womb at age 19, and she now deeply regrets it. She says that her condition is awful. She feels that her life has been ruined When she was 15, she was introduced to the transgender narrative on YouTube. When she was 16, she began receiving testosterone from this health service. At 18, they chopped off her breasts. Her family paid for that out of pocket. And then when she was 19, her endocrinologist suggested she have her womb removed. Took her apparently six years from when she first believed she was transgender to realize that perhaps her mental problems, and this is where YouTube is probably going to bleep me because you're not allowed to say true things about this issue. Uh, But okay, fine, take it for what it's worth. If you go to dailywire.com slash Knowles, you can get the unbleeped version of this show. Uh, Her mental health problems included depression, several suicide attempts, and uh, she recently discovered that she may be autistic, and there is a high correlation between autism and transgender identity. So she now believes that these conditions interfered with her ability to make responsible decisions. When detransitioners sue medical practitioners for transing them when they were little, that is another great way to ban transgenderism entirely. Because what that says to the entire culture is, you cannot indulge this. You cannot indulge the fantasies of transgenderism. It's going to open you up to great legal liability. Just that one law, if you just passed one law that said detransitioners have the right to sue medical professionals if they regret their transition, that would go 80% of the way to banning transgenderism entirely, as it should. Because one of the lines that, that some of the wild eccentric people yesterday said was that I was harming transgender people by suggesting that we ban the public toleration of this delusion. The people who most stand to benefit from society banning transgenderism entirely are these so-called transgender people, these very, very confused people who are being encouraged in their delusions by very irresponsible people. That will not make them feel better. It will only make them feel worse. And it will make the rest of us feel worse because when we live in lies, things don't go very well. Lies are not conducive to human flourishing. So you're seeing this happen already. The US, Canada, Spain. I hope it happens all around the West, all around the world, but really this transgender issue is is pretty heavily focused just here in the West. I hope we see all of that and we return to a more normal, flourishing society, which would be one in which transgenderism is totally banned. Now, when you want to convey some of these ideas, you got to talk to your friends. And when you want to talk to your friends, you got to check out PureTalk. Right now, go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles. When times get tough and money is tight, who can you rely on? Did you know Pure talk saves the average family over $900 a year when they switch from Verizon, ATT, or T Mobile? Instead of paying a fortune with your current cell provider every month, cut your bill in half with Pure talk. You get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. PureTalk Talk is so sure that you're going to love their service. They're backing it up with a 100% money back guarantee. I know that people are skeptical of switching cell phone plans. And you think, there's no way I can get the same coverage. There's no way I can have the same phone. There's no. I was skeptical too. I absolutely adore Pure Talk. It is saving me a ton of money. Switch over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your current phone number if you want, phone if you want. It's just phenomenal. They've got US-based customer service. I think that alone makes the product worth it. Go to puretalk.com. Enter promo code Knowles to save 50%, percent five zero off your first month. PureTalk.com, promo code Knowles. PureTalk is simply smarter, wireless. Speaking of things happening overseas, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has just made a trip to the 51st state, you know what I'm talking about, Ukraine. Janet Yellen made this unannounced visit to Ukraine yesterday, and she did so to support the nation's war effort against Russia and also to bring Mr. Zelensky a lot of money. All the reporting, it said Janet Yellen showed up to support the nation's war effort against Russia. My question was, which nations? Ukraine's effort against Russia? Is Ukraine really a nation exactly? Or with the visits from top CIA brass to Ukraine over in recent years, with visits from the President of the United States, with visits from Janet Yellen, kind of seems like Ukraine is just a part of our nation, or maybe that Ukraine is just a part of our empire, and what we're seeing here play out is an imperial war between the United States and Russia over a buffer state, which Russia invaded. Janet Yellen says that uh, she was there to, quote, discuss critical economic assistance and our efforts to hold Russia accountable for their illegal and brutal war, to reaffirm US support for Ukraine, and to give them $1.25 billion from a nearly $10 billion tranche of aid to Ukraine. She says, America will stand with Ukraine as long as it takes. I think this is much more efficient than what we've been doing recently, which is we've been sending different aides to Ukraine, or we sent yesterday, a few days ago, we sent the President of the United States. But I think it's much more efficient if we send the Treasury Secretary, because she's in charge of the money. So let's just cut out the (laughs) middleman. Let's get all that money going over to Ukraine. I actually, this year, as we prepare our taxes, I think I'm going to include Vladimir Zelensky as a dependent on my tax forms. Uh, If if we're going to fund the war, I at the very least want to get some marginal tax benefit from it. My other question is, how easy is it to fly into Ukraine? I thought there was this bloody war. It was gonna be World War III. This is the worst war zone in the world. And yet everybody flies in there. You've got all these world leaders, the president of the United States, the treasury secretary a few days later. I don't know. It just, that seems a little discordant to me. I, I'm not quite sure. Although I guess it was ever thus. The United States, this isn't just a Biden problem. The United States for well over 100 years has owned imperial territories and conducted the business of empire. And and that's what we're doing now in Ukraine. And so we can either whine about it and say, that's not how the constitution was set up or whatever. Or we just recognize that's exactly what it is. And we cut out all the silly gobbledygook uh, about all sorts of abstractions and liberalism and democracy. And we say, that's what we're fighting. We are claiming some territory here. And we want to, we believe it's in the American national interest for Ukraine to be on our side, not on Russia's side. A little skeptical of that imperial expansion, but the liberals who run our country and who effectively run the American empire, they're all in. And they've been all in for many, many decades now. Speaking of foreign affairs, we covered yesterday this, this new breaking report, this new conclusion out of the energy department that it turns out COVID very likely came from a laboratory in Wuhan not from the wuhan wet market that's what the energy department has concluded that's what some other agencies of the u.s government have concluded just wanted to take you on a little trip down memory lane uh, to the media's reaction to that theory just a few years ago
1: because we don't know where the novel coronavirus came from yet the conspiracy theories filled a void Chinese researchers have already determined the coronavirus is 96 percent identical at the whole genome level to a bat coronavirus. Twenty seven public health scientists from across the U.S. and the world wrote this letter in the journal Lancet, condemning conspiracy theories and citing scientific evidence, including the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, that supports the theory that overwhelmingly conclude that this coronavirus originated in wildlife.
2: Off the top of it, his head comes conspiracy theories on the Internet. And even yesterday, uh, you you saw some of his supporters, uh, some people on the Internet, uh, starting to suggest that it was like a bioweapon, which, which, of course, nobody said that. The president ever even said that, uh, just said it may have come out of a lab. The guy that didn't Tom go to Harvard. Harvard. I think so. I think, so. think Tom is a Harvard uh, uh, g- guy, uh, very well-educated. Tom Cotton, a couple of days ago, uh, spouting a conspiracy theory that the Chinese yeah. made this virus up. Yep. We'll the lab go. go. Tom Cotton, one of Donald Trump's staunchest allies in the Senate, suggested that the virus might have originated in a high-security biochemical lab in China. In the 1980s, I remember when the far left trafficked in rumors about HIV having been invented in CIA labs. The far right has now found its own virus conspiracy theory.
0: Here's how CNN covered it in, in print. It's a headline. Nearly 30% in the U.S. believe a coronavirus theory that's almost certainly not true. Coronavirus almost certainly came from an animal, not a lab leak, top scientists argue. Lab leak COVID 19 theory is like something out of a comic book, virologists argue. This is my favorite one. Its origin is up for debate, but it wasn't made in a lab. And then finally, US Energy Department assesses COVID 19 likely resulted from a lab leak. There it is. Thanks to Cabot Phillips for pulling all of those headlines there. That's how it is. That's how it goes. We should apologize to the bats. We should apologize to the pangolins. You should, not you. If you're listening to this show, you're probably much more open-minded. But the liberals out there should all apologize to their crazy conservative uncle and to their intransigent conservative grandparents or whoever they were all angry at. You You uneducated rubes, I can't believe you think it's from a lab. No, the genetic makeup of the virus, it's so clear. All the experts say it's definitely not from a lab. It's not just COVID. It's not just the lab leak theory. This is how the news always operates. That's how the news is operating right now. Act accordingly. Speaking of outlandish claims and foreign affairs, AMLO. AMLO is the leftist president of Mexico. AMLO is claiming that he's got a photograph of a Mayan mythological forest sprite in the woods. Far from the craziest thing AMLO has ever said. He says, I'm I'm not going to read it in Spanish. My Espanol is muy, muy mal. I'll just share the Google translation. I share two photos of our supervision of the Mayan train works, one taken by an engineer three days ago, apparently from an alux, another by Diego Prieto, of a splendid pre-Hispanic sculpture in Ekbalam, everything is mystical. So he's, he's got these two photos, one of this weird thing up in the tree with two eyes sticking out that does look kind of weird, like a little weird Mexican elf type thing. And then the other of a sculpture of this kind of creature. And it seems as though the Mexican president is suggesting that such creatures exist. And I know this is an unpopular opinion here. I don't think it's that crazy. Think about all the insane things that people believe today, that all the scientific people believe today. They believe that the world is going to end because of the sun monster in 10 years. They believe that men can be women. They believe in aliens. They believe in all sorts of insane things that aren't true. But they don't believe in spiritual beings. Spiritual beings, which we know are true. We know that they're true. I know. Sometimes people on the show, they start to lose it a little bit when I mention that angels and demons exist. But of course, angels and demons exist because we know that spirit exists. And the way we know that spirit exists is that we are, in part, spiritual beings. And we, even if you don't admit that you believe in the spiritual realm, you act as though you do. You act as though matters of the spirit, joy, love, good, evil, immaterial things, intangible things in the world. You act as though they exist from the moment you wake up to the moment you put your head on your pillow at night. So why is it so crazy to believe that there's some weird, mystical, spiritual being hanging out in a tree in Mexico? It is much more plausible that whatever was photographed in that picture is an alux or whatever AMLO calls it than that it is a alien or a transgender person or climate change. The existence of all of which is uh, far more dubious. Onto even less plausible claims. Joe Biden just wrapped up Black History Month. We've just concluded the first major month in the liberal liturgical year. That would be Black Month. Now we're moving into Woman Month. Very soon we will be into the first gay month. There is a second gay month that takes place later in October. Uh, but now we're in the first one of the uh, religious calendar of liberalism. And uh, Joe Biden concludes it by claiming that he was a figure in the civil rights movement.
2: I know most of those songs for simple reason, as my buddy from Delaware can tell you. When you're involved in the civil rights movement as a kid in high school, I used to go down to the black church. I go to 7.30 mass. I'm a practicing Catholic. Then I go to 10 o'clock. And then we sit and plan what we're going to do in terms of D.C. De- you think I'm joking. I'm not.
0: You think I'm joking. I'm not. The thing is, though, he is, he is not joking. He's just lying. And Joe Biden had made these claims before that he was involved in the civil rights movement and that he actually grew up in a black church. Yeah, he's a Catholic, but he would go to that black church after mass, which is not true, and also not permitted by the Catholic Church. Not because the other church was black, but because it's Protestant. You're, if you're practicing Catholic, you're not allowed to participate in the religious services of other religions. So not, not that Joe Biden is the most uh, meticulous and observant Catholic in the world, far from it, but it was just obviously bogus. And in fact, he, he's admitted that it was bogus. When reporters questioned in 1987 Biden's claim that he marched in the civil rights movement, he acknowledged that he, quote, wasn't an activist. And he said that his most significant experience with civil rights as a young man was when he worked at a mostly black swimming pool as a college sophomore in 1962. So he's admitted that in the past. And in fact, people who worked at and helped to run the black church that he's talking about have gone on the record to say, yeah, Joe Biden wasn't here. He later became friends with the pastor when he was in politics, but he wasn't here. That's just totally made up. And that's Joe Biden. Lies effortlessly. He lies so effortlessly that I think half the time he, he probably isn't even aware that he's lying. Something you'll notice. I've, I've known a couple of pathological liars in my life. Maybe you have two people who, I'm not saying people who tell a white lie every now and again. I'm, I'm saying people who lie as a matter of course people whose word you cannot trust ever. And what's really crazy about these people is they don't even seem to know the difference between truth and lies. It's all kind of the same for them. And that's certainly the case for Joe Biden. What it does tell you, though, is that the civil rights era is the central myth in America today. We we're just talking about mythological creatures down in Mexico. The civil rights era is the central myth, more than the American Revolution, more than the Mayflower, more than the Civil War, the civil rights era. When I say myth, I, I don't mean that it didn't happen. I don't mean that it doesn't have an historical basis. I just mean this story that we tell ourselves about our country that animates the, the, the way that we live today. That all comes from the civil rights movement. And actually, there was a great book a few years ago by Christopher Caldwell at the Claremont Institute called Age of Entitlement, who argues that the civil rights laws created a parallel constitution, in many ways supplanted the old US constitution. And when you see the way that our law works today, that seems to be a pretty persuasive thesis. So why is Biden lying about this stuff? He knows that that is a central story for the US. Now- he looks ridiculous doing that. And Democrats broadly look ridiculous. They are really, really troubled right now. The New York Times has acknowledged that John Fetterman is having a lot of problems. Pennsylvania Democrat senator who had a stroke Right around the time of the Democrat primary, he continued to run in the general election as a stroke victim who was barely able to speak, who had all sorts of physical problems, who didn't show up on the campaign trail all that much, but still showed up when he was needed. He ended up winning the election. And then just a couple of weeks ago, he checked himself into a hospital in D.C. for clinical depression. And he has plenty of reason to be depressed. He's got a very tough life right now, and the people around him are not allowing him to rest and recover and recuperate. They're actually just using him to, to continue to advance the Democrat agenda, even if it's not good for him personally. They won't let the poor guy go home. Well, it's kind of weird that we've had a U.S. senator in the hospital for two weeks now. We haven't heard any update at all, not one. And the New York Times is, is saying this, this might be because there are some permanent brain problems here. New York Times, quote, he has not, and, oh, and this is, this is coming from an aide to uh, Senator Fetterman. Quote, he has had to come to terms with the fact that he may have set himself back permanently by not taking the recommended amount of rest during the campaign. And he continues to push himself in ways that people close to him worry are detrimental. So now you might have permanent problems with a U.S. senator in the hospital for two weeks not a mention of it. And they're hiding from the reporters here because they know that no matter what the real story is, it does not reflect very well on them. No wonder Democrats want to jump ship. Senator Joe Manchin was one of the few moderate Democrats left in the entire country. Joe Manchin was just on Maria Bartiromo's show. He was asked about not only his political future, but even how he would classify himself within the party. He, he would appear now to be Something of a trans politician. He's in one party, but he doesn't necessarily identify with that party.
2: Do you the still country has
0: to be about America and coming together.
2: Do you still identify I'll be, as an American? I'll be involved any way I can. Do you I'll still be involved identify any way I can to help. I identify as an American. I'm an American through and through. Will you run for governor? <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I can to help my country come together and my state come together.
0: Senator, thank you. It's great to see you this morning. Senator Joe Manchin thank in West you, Marie. Virginia. Good to be we'll with be you. right back. What? Oh, hold on. Wait, now there was some crosstalk there, so I don't think Manchin was at the top trying to avoid the question. But Maria Bartiromo, superb journalist, just saying, Well, are, do you still call yourself a Democrat? He goes, I call myself an American. And now Joe Manchin coming to the end of his Senate term. Says, well, are you gonna, what are you gonna do in the future? Are you gonna run for governor? He's already been a governor. And he says, well, I'm gonna do what I can to serve my country. I'm an American. Kind of a weird answer. Very, very ambiguous. Chuck Todd over on NBC pushed Manchin even further.
2: You run for office in 2024. you gonna run as a Democrat? Chuck, I haven't made a decision what I'm gonna do in 2024. I got two years ahead of me now to do the best I can for the state and for my country. What are, what's on the table? Is re-election on the table? Everything's on the table. Is running for governor on the table or no? No, I, I, okay. I've done that. That I, you've I, ruled out. I've done that. Yeah. So everything on the table, there's basically only one other thing, the presidency. Is that something you would do outside the Democratic Party? The only it? thing I can tell you is what I will do is whatever I can when I make my decision, what I think is the best that I can support and represent the people of West Virginia, but also be true to this country and the constitution of this country. That sounds like something somebody that's looking for a way into national politics. Well, you know... Every senator is on a national- I understand that, but you know where I'm going. I know where you're going, and the bottom line is- is You're not telling me no. I'm telling you that I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that when I make my decision, I make it based on what's best, what I think I can do to support
0: and best for my country and my state. Joe Manchin wants to be president, and he wants to be president not necessarily as a Democrat, he might run as a Republican, which underscores my thesis. That in 2024, I may be the last person in the country not running for president. It would seem that everybody wants to run for president as a Republican in 2024. I just happen to be a little too young. Okay, I don't quite meet the constitutional threshold yet. But pretty much every eligible man over the age of 35 is looking to do that right now. Why? Why? Because they know that the current administration is so, so weak. They know that the agenda from that administration and from that party is so, so poisonous. They they see a great opportunity and they know that they do not want to be associated in any way with the insane policies of the Democrats, which basically amount to let criminals off the hook, let some of the very worst criminals off the hook, open up our borders. Give all your time and money and attention to Ukraine, not any of it to Ohio and to our own citizens. Call men, women, women, men. Destroy women's spaces and spit on American history. That's, that's the Democrat agenda right now. Is it any wonder that the people who want to run, want to run as a Republican? Speaking of presidents, you know, standing six foot four inches tall, Abraham Lincoln was our tallest president. Already towering over the men of his era, a young girl once asked Lincoln why he always wore such a tall stovepipe hat that made him look even taller. Honest Abe looked down at her, removed his hat, showing her inside, and said, to better store all of my great Jeremy's Razors products. That's what he said. It was an important moment in history that the left wants you to forget. But while the left cancels history, Jeremy's Razors celebrates it. That's why we're still offering 30% off any razor during our President's Day sale. Act fast, because the sale ends tonight. You can get the glorious, smooth six razor for a close, comfortable shave that cuts hair below the surface, which is especially useful for prolonging that Lincoln-inspired, mustacheless beard look. Go to jeremysrazors.com for your last chance to get 30% off woke-free shaving kits. Also, in case you missed it this past weekend. Yes or no, the greatest interview show on the internet, returned with special guest Ben Shapiro. Currently half the country has no accountability or ability to reason. And it's just a coincidence half of the people are women. <laughs> ah, this is such a this is such a trap right here. Okay. okay. One can very okay, right, uh, one, two, three. wonder what it's like to trade places with me, you are in luck. You can be the host. You can be the guest. You can get your friends involved when you pre-order Yes or No, the game right now from dailywire.com shop. We ordered a 1,000 copies of the game last year, sold out instantly. We've ordered thousands more. They are all going to sell out too. Pre-order right now. We do still have some copies, but you should pre-order right now if you want to get them. dailywire.com slash shop. And now, finally, one of my truly favorite times of the week, not my very favorite time, but one of my favorite times, I get to hear from you live on the air while I take your calls. Let's turn right now to Thomas in New York. Thomas, how can I help you?
1: Hey, Mike, it's good to talk
0: to you. Good to talk to you. What's your What's your question?
1: Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you as a fellow Catholic and traditional Latin mascot where it's really very enjoyable to have someone that knows politics to uh, lean on. So thank you very much for your show.
0: I'm glad to hear it. Thank you.
1: Um, and I did have one, I had a question about, um, the ends of marriage that you talk about, um, for the, the good of the spouses and the generation of children. <clears throat> um, as a recently married man, myself with a, a baby born right around the time of your second baby, um, in our pre-Cana, we were always told that uh, the generation and education of children was the primary end, secondly and closely followed by um, <clears throat> by the the mutual support of the spouses. And I was just interested on if that, you know, if that's your opinion, or it was just I always just noticed that you you always mentioned first the the mutual support of spouses. Followed by the generation of children, but isn't the generation of children the primary end?
0: Or sure, well, it's it's the it, it is the ultimate end. Uh, but I, I suppose I would I would probably say that the good of the spouses is the primary end, in as much as that comes first. So I'm not saying it's the primary end in that that is more important, but I am saying that it does come first. So when one gets married, one is joining together two spouses. Not everybody gets to have children. Plenty of people suffer from infertility. For some people who do suffer from infertility, it might be some encouragement to recognize that in the Bible, many of the greatest figures in the Bible struggle with infertility. Going all the way back to the book of Genesis and uh even actually all the way up to Our Lady when, when the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, you'll conceive a child. And she says, how is this possible? I know not man. Even her, her bewilderment at the idea that she will conceive a child speaks to a a, a, a special uh, relationship between uh, Our Lady and fertility. An unusual sort of relationship between Our Lady and fertility, to put, to put it at least mildly. So uh, the spouses come together first and then... The end of that, the purpose of marriage, is the generation and the education of children. Uh, But if if one cannot have children, naturally, uh, then uh, this does not negate the purpose of marriage. There is more to marriage than that. There are wonderful fruits of marriage beyond having children. But yes, I think if, if your point is that the kids are really what it's all about and the other things are of of a kind of a secondary or ancillary importance. Uh, that that would be true. Okay, let's turn to Christian from Virginia. Christian, how can I help you? Christian, do I have you or are you gone? Christian's gone. Okay. Goodbye, Christian. It was nice knowing you. Uh, Mitchell from Florida. Mitchell, how can I help you?
1: Hi, Michael. You can hear me. I can. Okay, perfect. Uh, so, just a little background. I'm 21 years old, so I'm a Gen Zer, um, and I kind of just wanted to ask you: How do we point our people in my generation towards Christianity? Uh, because I see it as a problem that uh, you know, as the generations pass, we're straying farther away from God and His Word. So, how do you? How would you say that we should go about pointing people in that direction?
0: Well, we have a a real advantage right now, which is that the modern secular scientific culture has exposed itself to be a fraud. (laughs) So for for a long time, the modern... Uh, scientific, technological, secular culture seemed like it was just winning constantly. And people were getting happier and life was getting easier. And you had fewer obligations put on you by those mean old fire and brimstone pastors. And it was great. Women could do whatever they want. Men could go do whatever they want. We'd all make a lot of money. And we could trust in the results of science and empirical observation. And in recent years, specifically over the last three years, You've seen this break down. The scientists have a worse track record than African shamans doing a rain dance. The scientists have been exposed as a total fraud. And so I think people's trust in science as an enterprise has has broken down, which I think is a good thing. Uh, The supposed liberation that came along in the 1960s in particular has broken down. People are miserable. Men and women have become much less happy. Women have become significantly less happy. In, a, in absolute terms and relative to men. You now have uh, young people depressed and suicidal in this country at a rate that we've never seen before. You have one in eight women in America, between one in eight and one in five, depending on which study you believe, Uh, taking depression drugs. One in something like 23 teenagers, 12 to 19 in America, taking depression drugs. So that's all fallen apart too. People want something more. This is why I think young people, when they return to religion, tend to return to more traditional and orthodox forms. This is why in the Catholic Church, the traditional Latin mass is so popular among young people. It's because they don't want soft soap and, and guitars and to be told they're all so wonderful. They want the truth. That, that's what they're... They want something solid that they can ground themselves on. Uh, so when I, when I was a kid, when I was 13, it was the rise of the new atheists, this publishing phenomenon with Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, De- Sam Harris, and Daniel Dennett. And it really won me over. And, and I was persuaded by these guys, whose arguments now I consider to be pretty shallow. But they won me over for about two years. And it's because there was this sort of perfect storm. You had uh, scandals in the church. You had what seemed like the endless success of technology. And now that's not the case. So I think the conditions are much more conducive toward religion now. And we just have to speak the truth in love. You know the tree by its fruits. If we continue to uh, flourish, if, if religious people continue to flourish, I don't mean to make a lot of money. I mean, live lives that seem to be more gratifying and fulfilling, which, which we will because our uh, ultimate hope is in our Lord. You know, our, our, we will find our, our peace ultimately in God. If we live lives that seem to be better than all these modern people who are chasing all sorts of, of idols, then I, I think that's going to be persuasive to a lot of people. Okay, the rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member and use code Knowles, KWLES. at checkout for two months free on all annual plans, dailywire.com slash Knowles. We'll see you at the member block.